Hello, everybody. Welcome back into your latest episode of Locked on Colts, part of Locked on Podcast Network. Today's always your host, Evan Sedran, my very special guest today's show, Jim Aiello, the Colts beat writer for the Indianapolis Star. Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Doing great. Glad to be back on the beat. Uh, I have enjoyed my time away uh, getting to know my son, but it's been, uh, like I said, it was, it was awesome getting back to Lucas Oil Stadium. And I know it was just kind of a scrimmage, but it was still really fun to, 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 to see live football. And honestly, just being at Lucas Oil Stadium, it made me, you know, I think we've all been experiencing doubt about whether or not there will be an NFL football season. And just being there at, at Lucas Oil and seeing the Colts on the field, it kind of made me feel better about the whole thing. Yeah, let me ask you, Jim, because it might be a sneak preview of what you saw yesterday throughout the regular season. As far as just the stadium goes with Lucas Oil, just how weird was it to see an empty Lucas Oil stadium? And, and moving forward here, of course, the Colts right now are scheduled at 25% of capacity used for Lucas Oil this year, around 15,000 fans. But who knows? That's always still fluid here. Right. What do you think of how it looked yesterday and how it's going to be throughout the year? You know, I'll give credit to, to Frank Reich and the, and the Colts and, and the players. Like, they did, they did, they ran through everything like like it was a normal game day. Stretching and, and player, like not player introductions, but coming out of the tunnel and the music and, and guys like DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard were jumping around and kind of waving at their, uh, their arms at a crowd that wasn't there, trying to get people amped up. It was pretty, it was funny, but it was also like, okay, I get why they're doing this. They're trying to, trying to get themselves in game day mode. And it was weird at first, I mean, to kind of watch in an empty stadium and not hear reactions to stuff, but. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been watching, I've been watching a lot of baseball and, and there's no fans in those stands. And I've been kind of, I've kind of gotten used to it, which is, I guess, a horrible thing to say. And I was, I got helped cover the Indy, Indy 500 for Indy star and there was nobody there either. And that was weird. Um, but during the race, it wasn't that weird. It was weird before and after, but like, but during the race, you kind of just kind of get locked into what's going on, you know, into the action. And I think, I think it'll be normal you know, I mean, as normal as it can be when you're watching football with no fans or, you know, a limited amount of fans in certain places. Um, so it was weird, but I think we can all – I think we'll get used to it just like we have in some other sports. Yeah, like a, the NBA bubble so far in Orlando is a good example of that. You don't even realize just how entertained those games are, that fans are really just virtually there and not actually in the stands. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that really fares this year for the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium because I love Lucas Oil Stadium, but unfortunately this year not going to be a lot of fans that are going to be able to experience that this upcoming year of COVID-19 happening, Jim. But let's talk first about your biggest takeaway from yesterday's scrimmage. I think it has to be the running backs here. Phillip Rivers, of course, we've known throughout his career in San Diego and Los Angeles that he loves checking down the running backs, he loves utilizing them in the passing game. But not even Naheem Hines, I think, is poised for a big role from what I've read so far. He's been a really versatile chess piece used inside and outside so far in the Colts offense and passing situations. But also Marlon Mack seems to be adding in a lot more of a role. And even Jonathan Taylor's getting a few catches too. What was your assessment of seeing Rivers using the running backs? You know what the thing about him is? It's not it, – you know, when he throws to running backs, it doesn't seem like the classic check down. Like, I've, I've waited three or four seconds. There's nobody open, and I, and, I have to, and I have to check down out of desperation. And then all of a sudden, you know, the back catches it, and he's tackled a second later because a linebacker's already closed in on him. What you see with Phillip Rivers, and I think it's pretty unique to him, is that he goes through his progressions. And I, I, I think I described it this way to somebody. I can't remember who, but – it's like he goes through the progressions and, you know, if you see a guy like Jacoby Brissett, not to knock him too much, but again, he was learning the offense last year, but when he takes the snap, he's going, okay, A, B, C, check down. Whereas a guy like Phillip Rivers is going, okay, I see the defense. I have to snap. I'm already eliminating B and C because they pretty much know where those guys are going to be and they're going to be out. So I'm going to check A and if A is not there, I'm going right to the running back. And it's kind of fun to watch because he's really good about knowing, hey, I'm just going to get the ball to the back. And all of a sudden this guy has – the ball in space he's going to be able to make a linebacker miss and there's a reason that that uh chargers running backs 
averaged more than nine yards per catch with Phillip Rivers. I mean, that is one of the highest numbers in the NFL over the last three years. And so he's going to get the ball to shifty backs. And, and again, we're talking about Naheem Hines, who we know how shifty he is in space. And Marlon Mack, you know, great stiff arm, really put a, put a quite a move on, on Malik Hooker. And we know he can make guys miss. And then Jonathan Taylor, blazing speed, but also, also can run you over with how big he is. So just the idea of getting these guys the ball in space, all three of them, I think is really exciting for the Colts and for Frank Reich. I think the other thing that it makes a big difference for them is it just makes them less predictable. I, I, I think that, you know, Marlon Mack had, I think, 14 catches last year. It wasn't very many. You pretty much knew as a defender that if Marlon Mack was in the game, even if they passed, you didn't really have to worry about him because he wasn't going to catch the ball. And so, and Naheem Hines, kind of the opposite, where if he was in the game, you had to be pretty aware that he was going to catch the ball. Now, he ran the ball some, but not much. What I think they're trying to develop is more uncertainty in the defense. So if Marlon Mack is out there, if Jonathan Taylor is out there, um, they, the defenders have, like, have to respect the fact that those guys can catch the ball and will catch the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a game early this season where one of those guys has four or five catches, and, and you put that on tape so defenses have to prepare for it later in the year. Yeah, and I wonder too, Jim, just what the split will be like. Of course, with Marlon Mack throughout his career so far, I think the career high for him in receptions for seasons 21, last year I believe at 15. Do you expect that number to maybe double this year? Uh, yeah, the the fourteen fifteen number for sure. I I wouldn't I wouldn't you know twenty six and I wouldn't say fifty two for him, but I would say I think thirty to thirty five forty is or yeah thirty thirty five. I feel pretty co- comfortable in that range. Same for Taylor, and then you know so you got thirty thirty, and then yeah maybe fifty or sixty for Naheem Hines. Um, I really do think they're going to use backs. You're going to utilize backs again. You saw all the way Philip Rivers used Danny Woodhead, Austin Eckler, but again people lock in on those guys as kind of that Naheem comparison, but. Um, Melvin Gordon had a lot of catches with Philip Rivers. And I think that, you know, Melvin Gordon being kind of the, the equal in this, in this scenario to Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack. So kind of divvy up what, you know, what, what Melvin Gordon between those two guys. So I think, yeah, 25, 30 catches for both of those guys is, is a completely reasonable expectation. And Jim, we saw yesterday, at least you did it up in close in person for the first time, Philip Rivers and his Colts uniform game day attire for the first time. <laughs> What was it like seeing Rivers in the Colts colors, but also just the way he maneuvered this offense, where it seems like from all indications that I've read and listened to so far, he's really taking control of this offense and his progressions, the way he just really reads the field at a really high rate is going to really help this Colts offense be, be a lot more efficient. Yeah, it's just smooth. It's just the whole offense seems to run a little smoother with, with Jacoby. And, and again, it, it kind of worked sometimes. Jacoby was able to ad lib or, you know, he'd, he'd shake off, a, a you know, we all know how hard he is to bring down in terms of sacking him. So he would, he could make things happen, but it was all kind of just, I don't know. It didn't seem like there was a plan a lot of the time and not, not you know, it's not a knock on Frank Reich or Nick Sirianni, but it just seemed like Jacoby Brissett had a kind of like, he was getting used to the offense. And if he didn't find his first read, well, now he's got to kind of run around, scramble around a little bit, shake off some guys and see what he can make happen. And, and obviously that didn't work so well when he was hurt and toward the second half of the season. With Phil Rivers, it's much more decisive. It's quick. The ball is coming out. He, he knows who he's getting it to. And like we talked about just a little bit earlier, if A and B aren't there, he's going quick to the back. And, that, and he's making that decision really fast. Now, again, they threw a lot to running backs on Monday. And, I, you know, you can't read too much into one scrimmage. There's, they're going to have one more on Saturday. Maybe things are different. But – I just liked the idea that they were finding a way to get their ball, the ball to their talented backs and get it to them fast because the faster you get it to them, the more, the more time they're going to have to make guys miss. So yeah. And to answer, I guess the first part of your question, I still haven't gotten adjusted to see Philip Rivers in a Colts uniform. It's still very weird to me. Uh, I, I was 2006 or 2005 was his first year. 2006, I think it was his first year starting with the chargers, but he was there for two years. So 2004, so that means I was 16 the last time he was not wearing a Chargers uniform. It's just, it's just very strange to see him in a Colts uniform. 
Yeah, what a wild year 2020 is so far. Phillipers in the Colts uniform, Tom yeah. Brady in a Bucks uniform. It definitely is going to be a wild year from that standpoint as far as NFL goes this year for quarterback movement. But let's talk about this offense a little bit more in depth. Like I mentioned, the running backs, they could be poised for a bigger role in the offense this year from a passing standpoint. But I think it was a big day yesterday for not only Marlon Mack, but the other running backs too, like we mentioned earlier in the show. As far as running the ball, the offensive line, when they get going and they get dominant, they are very hard to stop. They're one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. But I feel like Mack and Taylor, this one-two duo continues to really turn a lot of heads in camp so far. For sure. I, I, to your point about the offensive line, I mean, I think we know what to expect from these guys. They're, it's one of the best units in football. It's really great to, for them that Braden Smith got back out there um, and, and played 20 snaps. He was on a pitch count, so that was good for him to get out there and get his work in and then kind of get out. I did love what Anthony Costanzo said yesterday, saying that, like, they, they actually played – he thinks he played more first-team reps yesterday than he did during four preseason games total last year. So I just love that he's getting that experience and getting him back in there with, with that offensive line. The other thing I want to mention on the offensive line side of things is just the Raven Clark. I mean, again, I, 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 it's a lot of what I've been reading and seeing, but then yesterday I, I really thought he looked pretty good. And now we're not talking about a starting tackle in the NFL. And I by no means think that, Hey, they should trade Anthony Costanzo or Braden Smith. Cause they got the Raven Clark. What I do think is if one of those guys went down, the Raven Clark is a capable fill in for a couple of games, especially on the ground. I thought he looked really good in the run game. Uh, they had a couple big runs to the right while with him and Quentin Nelson pulling to that side. Um, I think that was really encouraging for them to know that there's still, you know, parts of their offense they can run, you know, when Braden Smith or if or when Braden Smith or Anthony Costanzo uh, misses some time. Now he struggles a little bit in pass protection, but again, you're going to know that going in, you're going to be able to have to give him a little more help than you normally give one of your tackles, but that could be okay. To me, it's very encouraging after having lost Joe Haig, for the Colts to see, okay, we got somebody that we can trust in a pinch. And then, yeah, I'm sorry to get back to your point about running. I mean, it just, it's just, sometimes it doesn't look fair. I mean, the Colts defensive line is very, very talented and deep and they had a pretty good first half. They did actually control the line of scrimmage, but in the second half, it was almost like the chargers game last year when the second half, the cultures came out running and like ripped off huge run after huge run until, you know, Mac had that big run for a touchdown. That's what it looked like in the second half. It's one of those things where, uh, Frank Reich, I know he just knows if he keeps pounding 16 carries, 17 carries, 18 carries, one of those times they're going to start wearing the defense down and then they're going to start getting what they want. And that's what we saw on Monday. So, again, encouraging for Colts fans, encouraging for Phillip Rivers, who knows he's watching that happen and knows he's not going to have to do everything himself this year. You want Chinese, they want pizza, and someone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food or craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door at the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities we operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDON. That's $5 and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $5 or your first order with DoorDash. Rock Auto is the place to go if you want to save money on your next car purchase, Colts fans. You can save over $150 on a fuel pump assembly, for example, and so much more. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto customers for online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Where it's your classic or daily driver, get everything needed in a few easy clicks to directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see what parts will for your vehicle and choose the brand, specification, and price you prefer. 
Investable prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same professionals do your yourselfers. So why spend twice as much for the same parts and get even cheaper at Rock Auto? Go to rockauto.com right now and see the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their How'd You Boss box, send a locked on cold send you. Again, that is code locked on, L O C K E D O N, in the How'd You Boss box, so you know that locked on cold sent you over. Yeah, and for Rivers, he's dealt with a lot as far as horrible offensive lines the last decade <laughs> or so in San Diego, Los Angeles. So you have the running backs, too. I think the most talented running back group he's had, it's Sands, Ladanian Tomlinson, in the very early part of his years, LT, of course, Hall of Famer. But you see Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor and the way that they're able to really be a yin and yang to each other so far, Jim and Camp. And Taylor's that bruiser in the red zone. Mack is the inside-out guy who can really do a lot of damage, as we saw throughout the, the scrimmage yesterday. I think having both these guys, I mean, obviously it's a fair point to bring up here and a really obvious one, but keeping both Mack and Taylor fresh throughout the games and really preserving them throughout the year is going to make the Colts a team where if they do get a lead, I just have a hard time seeing how a team catches up because I mean, you have Mack and Taylor and you can just bleed that clock down. Yeah, we saw this happen a few times. I mean, we had Jacksonville game in Indianapolis last year where they just, I mean, they just ran all over them for like, it was like 300 yards or something like that. That's that. I really do think there are going to be games this year where Phillip Rivers throws the ball less than 20 times just because the Colts are running it so well. And when Frank Reich knows his team is running it well, he just keeps doing it. He knows his offensive line loves it. And, it, you know, you're, you're taking the air out of the ball. And that works really, really well for winning games, especially when you can trust your defense. And obviously we'll talk about the defense later, but they, they, they do trust that defense to hold the lead. But like you said, I think there's going to be a lot of times this year where they're just going to run over people and not really need Philip Rivers to do all that much. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I actually think, you know, we've seen, we've seen Jonathan Taylor is a guy who had 300 carries a year at Wisconsin in fewer games than they play in the NFL. I mean, this guy was just given the rock constantly and Marlon Mack handled a, a, a big load last year for the Colts. But to your point, I do think they'll be better fresh. I mean, I, I think most players are that way. And even if they're not, you know, even if, even if one of them's having an off game, then they can just go to the hot hand. I mean, it really gave themselves a lot of options when they drafted Jonathan Taylor and now they have two star level backs. Moving to the wideouts for a second here, because mm-hmm. of course you have Michael Pittman Jr., the top rookie, they selected number 34 overall. You have T.Y. Out, of course out there, the stalwart. You have Paris Campbell, Zach Paschal. What did you see yesterday, Jim, as far as the rotation goes of that unit? Because it seems from from what I've read so far, maybe Zach Paschal could be that X receiver at least early on in the year as Michael Pittman Jr. still adjusts to the NFL. I think that's a fair that's a fair point. I mean, I, I think you'll see Paschal get on the field quite a bit, especially in early downs, especially in rundowns. We all know what he can do in the run game um, and, and be that potent outside blocker for you. Um, I do think you'll, you know, you're going to see a rotation of the four of them. It's a pretty clear one through four right now. I mean, you, you, you mentioned, and not just, and again, like you can kind of flip Pittman and Pascal. I mean, again, ideally, you know, toward the end of the year, Pascal's your four, assuming everybody's healthy. And the thing about Pascal that's really great is that while he's, I mean, I don't know if that he excels in any area other than blocking, as we just talked about, um, but he's really good at everything. He's got good hands. He's a good route runner. He understands the offense, and he understands all positions in the offense. He was kind of taught and brought up last year as the, the T.Y. Hilton replacement, if, you know, if that was needed, and of course it was at certain points. But he also learned the other spots in the, uh, the, in the offense that he needed to. So he's a guy you can kind of slip and fill in anywhere you need him to, and that's critically important to have, and as all Colts fans know with all the injuries they dealt with last season. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's a, that's a probably a fair guess or you know, expectation that we'll see a little bit more Pascal than Pittman early on, just as Pittman gets used to the NFL and game speed. Like, I don't think people understand how much different it is to play wide receiver at the NFL than it is to play in college football. I know we've written about it and we say it, but it, man, 
these corners are so much bigger and so much more physical, and they're going to play a lot of press coverage and man coverage that you just don't see quite as much in college. And, and there's going to be – like when Pittman is able to – he's going to be able to use his size to, to, to go snag a ball, and he'll do that in the NFL too. But there are guys that are out there now that are just as big as him, just as physical, just as athletic. He's going to have to learn the, the, more, the nuances to, to getting open, to getting in and out of breaks and creating separation. Again, the Colts wouldn't have used the pick that they used on him if they didn't think he could do it. But it's going to take a little time. Last point on the offense here, Jim, before we transition to the defense and, of course, the kicking competition. I guess kind of maybe wrapping up this point from what we saw yesterday. Trey Burton is a player I think he's flying under the radar here from Colts fans because, of course, he was a really under-the-radar signing there, a one-year deal at a minimum deal. And I think with Trey Burton, he's had injury history in the past with Philadelphia and Chicago. Of course, he reunites with Frank Reich, the former OC for Philadelphia, and they won their Super Bowl run. I think from what I've read so far and from what it seems like he had a good day yesterday too, that Trey Burton could be poised for a big year and maybe surprise some Colts fans out there. Yeah. Let's like, like, let's just keep him under the radar for now. All right. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> let's, we don't want to, we don't want to blow up expectations too much. I'm with you. I think he can be a very big part of this offense. Frank Reich has not done his part in trying to keep that a secret. He has said he's going to fill into the Eric Ebron role and step in and be that guy. He just needs to stay healthy. I mean, last year, he tried to come back multiple times with the Bears, and it just didn't work out. I think he tried to force himself on the field, and there was a misdiagnosis of his injury, and, and a lot of things kind of went against him where he couldn't show off that athleticism that he has. I, right now, I, I would be happy if the first few games he was just a healthy guy who played, you know, half the snaps. Or, we, you know, what are we talking about there, Ebron? He played 35 to 45% of the snaps a lot of the time, three or four or five catches maybe in a couple of these games. I think that would be an excellent start to the season. <clears throat> And then once he proves that he's healthy and ready to contribute in a bigger way, then maybe we see that guy that the Bears signed in 2018, which was like a 55 or 53 catch uh, guy, you know, big part of the red zone offense. This is the guy that, that Frank Reich knew in Philadelphia as, hey, he's backing up Zach Hurts, but he's plenty capable of being a starter uh, in this league. And so, yeah, I think Trey Burton is could be poised for a big season. But again, it's all about health with him. So I do want to – you want to tamper expectations a little bit. And again – Jack Doyle is no slouch. I mean, again, he's not the most athletic guy in the world, but he's going to be on the field a lot more often, and he's going to catch a lot of passes because Philip Rivers is going to like him a lot because he's not going to drop a lot of passes, and he's going to be in the spot that he needs to be every time. Now let's transition over, Jim, to the biggest surprise at Colts camp so far, and it really blew me away because it's a player I originally had off my 53-man roster prediction because we just haven't seen much the first two years of his career, but maybe year three, the lights finally come for him. That's Tyquan Lewis, the former Ohio State defense tackle, now with the Colts entering into year three. And Chris Bowdy mentioned at the end of the season press conference that he had that talk with Tyquan Lewis. It's time to, it's go time, so to say. It, it seems like from what I've read and from obviously what you saw yesterday, Jim, that Tyquan Lewis might be taking that leap, so to say, right now. And really being, a, a, if it does happen, a critical piece of this defensive line rotation. Yeah, don't beat yourself up. I think uh, Chris Ballard probably didn't have Taekwon Lewis on his 53-man okay. roster uh, projection heading into the year. Honestly, I, I mean, I, he said it at the end of the year. He needs to have a great camp, and he didn't say or else, but we all kind of knew or else, right? Well, Taekwon Lewis looks – I mean, I hate, I hate, hate, hate the cliche of best shape of his life. It drives me crazy, but he does. He looks really good. I mean, he looks, I mean, a little slimmer, just, just in great shape, and, and – Man, is he quick off the line sometimes. The burst that he is getting right now, again, I only got to see it a couple times uh, yesterday and talked to a lot of the other guys in the, who have been there for the whole week or last week. But, man, he just blew up a play. Like, on one play, he just pushed Jake Elgenkamp pretty much right back into Phillip Rivers and then batted down the pass himself. Then on another one, he just burst right through, I think it was, I remember who the guard was, 
at that play, but it doesn't matter because he would slip right past him. I don't think anybody would have able to stop him. And he almost took the hand off out of Naheem Hines' hands. I mean, this is the guy that Chris Ballard drafted a few years ago. This is the things that we saw on that, on this college tape from Ohio state. I mean, he just looks quick and we know he's strong, but I think it's that, that, that ability to get that first step and, and, you know, pass slower offensive linemen. That's really going to give him an edge. And if he, man, if he can do that from the interior alongside DeForest Buckner, that's such a huge, huge lift for this Colts defense, uh, especially on the interior. But then again, this is a guy who we know has value and can play on the outside. He might get some early work on, on first and second down against the run. And then, you know, if, if the teams drop back and pass, he, he has the ability to get a little pressure too. I really think that if Tyquan Lewis is, is all of a sudden takes a big step forward. Oh, man, that's a big, big lift for the Colts D. It doesn't matter for a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD freezes menthols, an award-winning product offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints, and a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recover combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL at checkout. Once again, it's CBDMD.com and promo code LOCKEDONNFL, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-F-L, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Yeah, it definitely would be. It added even more depth to that rotation that the Colts are building so far, led by DeForest Buckner. And like I asked you with Philip Rivers, I mean, first time we saw DeForest Buckner in his Colts game attire, he looks like just from the pictures I've seen, like like a like a schoolyard bully out there at six foot seven, <laughs> three hundred pounds, and towers over all of his teammates. What was your impression from the press box seeing them, Jim? Yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing for me. I can't wait to see him like a little bit closer up, but I, it gave me the same memory when I grew up in uh, in Chicago, and I used to go to um, training camp every year. Uh, and I remember the year that the Bears signed Julius Peppers, and actually Chris Ballard was there when that happened. And I remember walking up and I'm just like, what in that? I mean, this guy looked like he should be playing power forward for the Bulls. And, and he just, the way he stood out and he was just like, I mean, sculpted, just huge guy. Like I, I could not believe, you know, my, again, you're talking about among other NFL athletes, these are other stars that he was out there and that's, you just, you couldn't take your eyes off of him. That's kind of what I felt like when I first saw DeForest Buckner, I was like, holy cow. I mean, just look at this guy. And then you see how fast, how quick he is on the line of scrimmage for somebody his size. I mean, man. I, obviously that, you know, that comes with the inherent strength being his size, but the quickness that he has on the interior, it's no wonder that he's been, you know, a pro bowler. Last few I had for you, Jim, appreciate the time as always. One hand on the defensive backs for a second here, because obviously an important year for Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Sen with Marvell Tell opting out. So there's really not much depth. They obviously got Tremont Smith to sign him a couple of days ago to really replace maybe Marvell Tell in that rotation. Mm-hmm. But what, what was your assessment of seeing Xavier Rhodes up close as well, but also Rocky Sen who I, I've heard it's had a good camp so far. Yeah, Rock looks good. I mean, from what, again, that's that's really, I'll you know, I'll tell you the truth. I, I really didn't think the corners were all that tested in this game, or in the, yeah, in that kind of scrimmage game on on Saturday or on Mon- Saturday Monday. Um, I, I really kind of thought it was they they were throwing a lot. Um, they threw the tight ends. They threw the running backs a lot. They did throw the receivers. I mean, T. Y. Hilton I think had five catches, but I don't know. I just didn't feel like I got a good read on what the corners were doing. Xavier Rhodes I think had a pass breakup. Um, I know he's been doing a good job of kind of getting in Michael Pittman's face and showing him what a big defensive uh, back can do to you. And then, yeah, again, from what I've heard from Rock, there's, I heard kind of conflicting reports. Is that one, he's been really good, knocking some passes away, but I also heard he's getting a little bit, uh, 
using his hands a little bit too much. And we all know that he got into a little bit of trouble with that against Denver. So you don't want to see him start getting a little too handsy and you start seeing the flags. That's kind of been the thing about the first week of camp. That's not normal is that usually during training camp, there are officials out there that are calling penalties and, you know, telling guys, get your hands off them and get them ready for the season. There weren't officials for that first week of training camp. There were officials um, for the, for the game or the scrimmage. Um, but, and, and I, but it, there wasn't, I don't actually remember being a flag being thrown aside for maybe a false start. So again, that's just one of those things that he's got to keep learning is just to keep his hands off the guy a little bit more often. But to your, I mean, I think the reason you asked the question is I think this is the biggest question on the Colts defense is these, are these DBs, especially the corners. I think they're pretty deep at safety. They have guys they like there and they can rotate through, but you don't necessarily know what you're going to get from Xavier. Is he the guy he was a few years ago when he was an all pro, or is he the guy that the Vikings said, yeah, we'd rather not even have you on the team. And then rock. Yeah, I think he had a pretty good second half of the season last year, but you need him to be a little bit better than that. And you need him to take a step forward and not progress. And, and there's no guarantee he'll do that either. So it's a big question mark for them. And as you pointed out, they don't have a ton of depth. So you got TJ Carey, but he's probably better suited for the inside. Obviously Kenny Moore is, is your slot corner. And then, yeah, with Marvell Tell, you felt a lot better because that guy played a lot of important snaps for you last year and was developing. Now you don't quite, you don't have him. Yeah, I, I think this is that's the one position where you might feel a little bit uneasy if you're Chris Ballard. However, I think if you're Chris Ballard, it makes you feel better. You say, well, if our defensive line looks is as good as I think it's going to be, corners won't have to guard for that long. It's fitting here, Jim, I guess we're closing on the kicking competition with Chase McLaughlin and Rodrigo Blankenship because obviously the kicker last year, Adam Benatieri, had his struggles maybe cost the Colts a few games. So this position is pretty important to get right for this Colts team this year in 2020. Chase McLaughlin went eight for eight yesterday in, in the scrimmage. Rodrigo went five for eight. It seems like from what everyone is saying that Chase McLaughlin looks like the better kicker so far, that he probably has the lead right now. Do, do you agree with that, Jim? But also a two-parter here for you on that. Do you sure. think that Rodrigo Blankenship still makes the practice squad just because who knows what happens to COVID-19 this year? Chase McLaughlin somehow gets COVID. You're kind of in a predicament. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I think they'll put – if, 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 that, if it plays out the way you suggest that McLaughlin wins the job, and I think they'll try to stash him, but you know how it is in this league. Kickers, you, somebody needs a kicker every week, it seems like. So I don't know how, how long they'll be able to keep him. But again, I, I'm with you. I think they'll definitely try to stash him on the practice squad, but it wouldn't be a big surprise if somebody claimed him. Obviously, you know, great credentials out of Georgia and, and a very good kicker. I know he had a good first week at camp. He didn't look great yesterday. I have to give him credit, though. He started off pretty rocky, two for five and then rebounded to hit his next three, including one where they rushed him out there to make one. Um, he hit his 50-yarder. They only they each kicked a 53-yarder. He hit his. Um, so, again, I wouldn't say it was a total loss for Blankenship, um, and, and he did. Again, I thought, I thought he showed good moxie and good poise to rebound uh, after a rough start. But, man, yeah, I, 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 I've said from the beginning of this thing that Blankenship's going to go ahead and he has to come in and win the job. He has to take it away from Chase McLaughlin. We saw what Chase did last year, which was become a very good NFL kicker, a reliable NFL kicker. He only missed one kick uh, uh, for them. He made all his extra points. He did it in a real tough spot, replacing the greatest kicker of all time. You have to give him credit for being able to do that. And then he goes out and hits eight field goals in a row in a, uh, in, in, in a game that Frank Reich admitted, you're going to wait a little bit more than some of the other practices. So I think the kid's got ice in his veins. I think you know he can do it at the NFL level. Yeah, to me, I mean, he'd have to really fall apart here in this next week for me to go the other way. But, yeah, I like Chase McLaughlin. I think he ends up winning the job. Jim, we're two and a half weeks away from the season opener in Jacksonville. We are about two weeks almost exactly away from NFL football officially starting back up with no preseason this year. Chiefs-Texans opener then the Colts at Jacksonville. I'm getting a little antsy myself, but I'm, I think it's so exciting, Jim, that NFL is right around the corner here, only two weeks away. What do you think? 
Oh yeah, man, I'm pumped. Like it's, it kind of snuck up on me a little bit. I think one, it was partly having a kid and kind of being focused on that. But also, yeah, like you said, no preseason and training camp kind of just being like, oh, it's here. It's very strange, but it, it's kind of exciting, right? It's just that all of a sudden it's here and we get to watch NFL football. And I, I, I was a little bit worried that with no training, you know, or limited camps and no preseason, that the quality of football was not going to be kind of the standard that we were hoping for. But again, having listened to these guys and the way they played on, on Monday, I'm very encouraged about these guys being ready and the starters being, you know, as ready as they can be for for the regular season. Now they haven't done a lot of tackling and they probably won't. And that might be a thing that is a little bit, you know, shake off a little rust the first couple of weeks, but you kind of see that in most seasons anyway. So yeah, I'm not only am I excited just that we're going to have football, but I think it's going to be up to the caliber that we, that we've come to expect. Jim, I appreciate talking Colts football with you as always. You guys can go talk or go follow Jim on Twitter. If you're not already at Jim Aiello, you can listen to him talk with Joel Erickson as well weekly on the Colts cover two podcast, Indianapolis star. And also go read his written work, which is always great over at the Indianapolis star. Jim, appreciate the time. Thanks, Evan. Anytime, man.